Just a quick reminder, this is part two of the third Sport Yusha podcast. Um, we're going to discuss in-depth Scottish football with a very, very special guest. So we decided to make this a, a whole separate section because the conversation went longer than we, we kind of expected. So please check out part one for our roundup of the news uh, and our views on the end of the English Premier League and the, uh, and the cricket as well. Cue the music. going to talk a little bit about football in the last section we I'll bring it back. Uh, the Premier League is over, uh, but that does not mean that football is over because Saturday sees the return of the Scottish Professional Football League Premier mm-hmm. Division. Um, it has been a long time coming. It didn't look like it was going to happen at one stage. Um, I did a particularly bad job of trying to explain what the hell has been going on uh, over this uh, over the summer with uh, legal fights and uh, reconstructions and arbitration hearings and all that. So, if I could make sense of it, we have a very very special guest on the Sport Russia podcast who's going to try and unpick all the nonsense for us. He is a lawyer, a football fan, and my brother. So, Alan, welcome to the Sport Russia podcast. Uh, well, delighted to be here, gentlemen. Thank you. Welcome. Uh, you may not be saying that after I've asked you to try and explain what the hell is going on <laughs> in Scottish football. Um, so, uh, can I just go back to the beginning? So, once the once it became evident that season in Scotland wasn't going to resume, because uh, the, the, obviously there was always pro- there was project restart down in England, but that was never going to fly in Scotland because of we don't have the same money up there or the same resources. So what happened basically from there in terms of the leagues being called? But actually, before we get to that, can you explain the of the SPFL and how that differs from, say, the Premier League in England? Yeah, uh, well, Dave, you shouldn't feel bad about making a bad job of explaining this because every journalist and person involved in Scottish football uh, has made a terrible job of explaining it and uh, that sets a quite a low bar for me, so I'm happy to do that. Um, so the SPFL structure is um, it's actually pretty straightforward uh, and, it, and it arrived about, I think it's nine years ago, uh, after we had the, the, the kind of breakaway SPL uh, and then a separate football league, which was still under the jurisdiction of the SFA. So we came up with this structure of, well, there's 42 professional clubs and, and the, the Scottish Professional Football League was formed and we rebranded uh, to the Premiership Championship League 1 and League 2, which was an idea that, that of course, we, we stole from, from the English game. But it's basically 42 member clubs. It's run like a corporation and when we come to vote one things, each club has one vote, which is, is very handy. Um, those clubs elect an eight-man board to oversee the kind of daily operations of all of the leagues. And then those eight members of the board uh, elect a chief executive, and that chief executive... So, just to jump in there, the eight members of the board are member clubs, so... Like, well, not just- yeah, we'll be chairman of member clubs, so people can put themselves forward to be part of the board, and the, the, the member clubs elect eight people to, to be on the board of, of uh, directors. And, and those eight members uh, will appoint a, a chief executive, and that chief executive is Neil Doncaster, presently. Okay. So, the, if I want anything to change in the SPFL, everything, so the charter, rules, the structure, is all yeah. set and voted for by the clubs themselves. 
Yes, uh, and it was done uh, at inception of the SPFL. Now, if you've ever have a, a bout of, of insomnia or otherwise uh, <laughs> want to waste an entire day or afternoon, the, the, the rules are, are, are available on the SPFL website and it's a, a, a riveting read. Um, but yeah, the, the, the clubs uh, voted, uh, the, this was presented, it would have been compiled by lawyers uh, appointed by the SPFL, which is a, a law firm called Harper McLeod in Glasgow, and they would have put this all together and it would have been batted about by elected members and they came up with, with how they wanted everything to run. Uh, now the voting structure is something which when I said that each member club has one vote, it would be lovely if that was a straightforward um, but the voting is bizarre to say the least but again the the, the way that the votes work is, is something that was agreed upon at the, at the outset and written down. Mm -hmm. Okay, so um, it became clear about probably about six weeks after kind of the lockdown started, the Scottish football Scottish football was not going to be able to complete the season. Um, so the decision was taken and then put to a vote about ending the season early, thus releasing the prize money to the member clubs. Um, yeah. So there was... To say that was complicated was probably an understatement again. So, um, so basically, what what happened? How did the season end? So, the the, the end okay. of the season. Talk us through that. Yeah. Well, the end of the season uh, very different to England. It wasn't all just down to money. It was in part down to the Scottish government uh, not permitting clubs to train. Uh, you know, as of right now, if there was a, a some sort of outbreak uh, tomorrow. It's still within the realms of possibility that the start of the season could be postponed. So there really wasn't a viable option to continue the season because, you know, it's not until Saturday that the first game will take place. So the way that that happened in practice was really, really straightforward. Well, it was in theory. Uh, a proposal is put to... Um, to, to the members uh, by the board. So the board say the Scottish government won't let us play, you know, and at that point there was no foreseeability on that. Clubs were struggling for money. So a proposal was put to the member clubs to say, can we, you know, we want your votes to uh, conclude the season and decide everything on a points per game basis. Now, uh, that was put to the member clubs. There was a whole host of confusion and the media got the wrong end of the stick about, you know, the 5pm Friday deadline giving everybody um, only two days to come up with a vote. That was a bit of a red herring because there was 28 days in which they had to, to respond to the resolution and cast their vote. The, the board simply asked if possible if the vote could be, could be given by 5pm on the Friday because... Uh, Time was of the essence, clubs are struggling for cash. So that vote was put to the members. And, you know, there's probably a whole podcast you can do on the Dundee debacle about the, the, the no vote yeah. and then all the rest of it. Cutting to the chase, although there's a million conspiracy theories about Mr. Nelms and Dundee, there was provision in the rules for a no vote to be changed to a yes vote, but there's no provision for a yes vote to be changed to a no vote bizarre as it may be, but it's in the rules. So for, for any um, any proposal put to the members, and again, these are proposals put to member clubs to vote on based on a voting structure that they decided on, not as some members of press or the Twitterati would have you believe that Neil Doncaster's running around telling people what to do, or even 
Well, I think, but as as puppeted by Peter Lawler. Oh, of course, yes. Everything comes down to Peter Lawler, of course. Um, so if you're going to, if a vote's going to pass, then if you've got 42 member clubs, then it's not as simple as saying, well, if a majority goes, uh, we'll go with the majority rule. The voting goes as follows, is because of the, there, are, there are a number of leagues and uh, it sounds wonderfully democratic to say that everyone's got a vote. Uh, you need 11 out of 12 of the Premier League teams uh, to say yes for something to pass. And then if you look at the top two divisions, which is the Premier and the Championship, and I think the reason for this when they made the rules was because there might be some good teams that fall into the Championship now and again, you would need 17 out of the 22. Uh, and then there's a third layer of that, which is overall you will need 32 out of 42 clubs for something to happen. So that's effectively need overall with the various sort of permutations of need 11 of the 12 top teams, you really need 75% of the 42 teams. So the, the, the proposal was put to the member clubs and they needed at least 75% overall with the various way it was carved up with the, the divisions. Uh, and there was an 81% and they got the 11 out of 12 in the Premiership and enough of the 17 out of the 22. So overall, largely everyone agreed that the season should finish early and the, the kind of 19% was your fairly obvious ones, which are the ones facing relegation and bizarrely Rangers. Uh, well, not bizarrely, that that was all about stopping nine in a row, wasn't it? Um, so that vote was, that's not necessarily the controversial but uh, I think um, mostly it's it was made controversial by Dundee's change of position. Uh, but it got 81% and it passed. So it was passed, the season was ended, the championship uh, was awarded Celtic, meaning that they won nine leagues well, David, in a row. David, David, uh, forgotten the uh, I've forgotten the asterisk. I was going to add the asterisk later on, but so, uh, so Celtic were awarded the SPFL Premier League uh, Dundee United, uh, who were considerably ahead of uh, Inverness, so they were awarded yep. the championship. Inverness, Wraith Rovers were awarded. Wraith uh, Rovers were awarded uh, League One, and Cove Rangers League Two. Now, it also meant that Hart Midlothian were bottom of the league. Uh, they would be relegated. Partick Thistle were bottom of the championship and would be relegated. And Stranraer of League One would be relegated into League Two. Um, so the, a couple of things are quite cut and dry in that Celtic were quite considerably far ahead of Rangers, although not mathematically impossible. Dundee United were considerably ahead of the second team, as I mentioned. Um, however... Uh, Hart and Melodium were only five points behind the wonderful Hamilton Ackies and could have <laughs> feasibly stayed up. Uh, Partick Thistle were only two points uh, behind uh, the ninth place team with a game in hand. Uh, so it's very harsh at their relegation. Um, so the the next stage in this was uh, the dreaded league reconstruction talks. Mm -hmm. So there was many different proposals. Now this is for me where the SPFL kind of um, let themselves down a bit and they put uh, the chairman of Harps in charge of reconstructing the league, the team with the most to lose um, in charge of reconstructing Scottish football. So what what happened at this point? Well, this was when the, the task force was assembled with Anne Budge uh, and, and various other cohorts, including Les Gray, the Hamtaraki's chairman. I personally don't think it mattered who was appointed to the task force and who wasn't. Because the thing that really came out of Reconstruction 
was that, that not enough, and, and not enough by a country mile of the clubs were interested in it at all. So you had the, you had the initial proposal, uh, which they didn't quite go as far as taking formal votes, but they had a, a straw poll of the Premier League teams. Um, and uh, again, you need 11 out of 12, and nine were not. We're, we're, we're saying no. So you were never going to get it. So they, they just said, oh, there's not even any point in wasting time on it. And then that was kind of it. And, and I think that made sense. It was, well, there isn't any point going through the formalities of everything when it's not even getting out of the blocks by the, the, the you know the 10 people in the room. Um, so it went away for a little while. Uh, and then you know it came back and Budge got a pal, James Anderson, I believe, to pump a lot of money into Scottish football, try to get a bit of a feel-good factor. And again, this is the bit that, for me, the SPFL and Neil Doncaster never get enough credit for was... <sighs> And Neil Doncaster is, is kind of a pains to say this. It really is no skin off his nose. And, and the phrase he uses quite a lot is, you know, the board exists to serve uh, the members. So what happened was that Adam Budge came back with another proposal that was kind of two, that was temporary and permanent. Uh, and as the chief executive's job is, uh, and the board's job is, is they, they put the proposal out for a vote as per the constitution and, and invited votes in line with the rules. Now, this one was far more straightforward um, in that there was only, bearing in mind, you need 32 of the 42 teams to go for it, split down the way that I explained earlier. There was only 16 teams in favour of it. So that was only you know thirty eight percent. So again, it just it just fell apart, and, and nobody nobody was for it. So that was it. Um, pretty straightforward. There was a lot of faffing around, but ultimately, you know, people talk about sporting integrity and nobody being punished, and that's a, a splendid notion. And, and I think reconstruction would have been would have been worthwhile. But ultimately, reconstruction and adding teams in is going to hit other teams in the pocket, and there was just too many other teams that were going to be out of pocket and, and it, I think the percentage vote speaks for itself. No one was interested. Um, I, I, can, I, can I ask a question? It, it might be some speculation on your part, but um, do you think do you think in this process at all that the reconstruction was ever like a serious um, a, like a serious potential outcome? Was it ever likely ah. to, or was it was it the S SPFL sort of almost throwing hearts and the relegated clubs at the option so you can say, I tell you what, go go away, put together a proposal. And and will vote on it, but was it was it ever like because because the, the whole time I've lived in Scotland so for the last five years or last 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 three years, um, it's always been kind of like in the background bubbling away. It's even even before that, it's sort of it's always been an issue of there's, there's been talk of like the the Lowland and the Highland champions sort of being able to be have access to sort of the league system, and that kind of opened up a few years ago. Um, do you think this was ever was like a serious option at this time? Uh, like we really. I think it wasn't going to pass because the more teams you put into to the football league, uh, the, the potentially uh, certainly at the top end, the less money you're going to have. So when you add two more teams into the top flight, it reduces the amount of games you get against the old firm potentially, and there was the increase. Yeah. Yeah. They were they were still going to keep a top six, but they were going to have a bottom eight. So immediately you get two teams who maybe flip flip between top six and bottom six are more likely to end up in the bottom eight. Um, you know, if it costs you a game against the old firm, uh, 
you know, either home or away, you're losing out on gate receipts, TV money. Um, so I, I think it was going to hit too many of the teams that had to vote for it, particularly the Premier League in the pocket. Um, you also have the, the, the kind of, well, all right, everyone's spared from relegation now, but if you're putting better teams into the division, we might get relegated next season. Um, and people were just trying to think beyond this season and thinking, well, we're going to lose a little bit of money this season, but we could lose our status next season. I think from the SPFL's perspective, you know, they were perfectly happy to put a proposal out to their members. They have to do that if a proposal's put to them. There was the whole Rangers proposal, which wasn't in proper form, which got bounced. Um, but broadly speaking, if, you, if you're proposing... When you say when you say it wasn't in proper form, does it mean they didn't submit it properly? Yeah, or I, I, I didn't see the document, but the, the, there is a, a way in which you have to present your proposal to the board for them uh, to, to put that resolution out to the members for a vote. And Rangers' proposal to become a resolution didn't fit that criteria. Now, the SPFL will tell you. So I'm just guessing here, right? But was it? We don't want Celtic to win nine in a row. Right? <laughs> Did that not get accepted? Uh, by Scottish you know, uh, misspelled them with uh, what, what at right. the bottom. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, well, yeah. Right, I love you, really, Rangers. Honestly, yeah, sorry, Rangers. Uh, but you know, the, the SPFL say, well, they, they gave Rangers advice as to how to put it right. Now, the minute that you say no to to somebody in the old firm, then there's conspiracy hysteria uh, but going back to your point James uh, you know if, if a proposal is put by a member and asked the uh, member club say we want a resolution we want a vote then th th that will generally happen so and I think from the SPFL's perspective we weren't doing a, a whole hell of a lot else anyway so we might as well have had a look at it one of the issues I think that the SPFL would have been concerned about would be that Sky at the moment and previously Sky slash PT, but Sky for, for the forthcoming three years, I think, the next two years, uh, they will call the shots on on certain things. And when you start expanding leagues, uh, the, well, the, the panic for Sky, or it's not panic because they would make the decision, is you have to have four old firm games a season. Um, and that's where I think they came up with the top six will be retained and we'll have a bottom eight. And that's why the, I think so many teams were against it, is that you know, Rangers and Celtic will still have their four games and all their TV money and all the best teams will get all their games against the old firm and we'll be languishing with, with the, the bottom end of the table for a lot longer than the last five games. So I just think too many teams would have been adversely affected and at risk. So as glorious a notion as it is, is that nobody can be affected. I just don't think when you looked at your own club and your own sustainability, um, it, it, it just couldn't have happened in my view. Okay, so that led us to um, Hearts officially being relegated for the second time. Um, so that Hearts and Partick Thistle then formed a cabal to take on the SPFL. The MA Alliance. Sorry, the MA Alliance, of course. So that then led to the legal challenge. So um, Al, talk us through the legal challenge and where they potentially went wrong with this and the fact that they maybe should have read the rules. Well, uh, they went wrong in every way that we could possibly go wrong. Uh, and and I'm, I'm really astonished because David Thompson, QC, is a QC that I've worked with. He's a very clever man. Um, and I just wonder if he's a if, if passionate Partick Thistle supporter. 
Um, and I wonder whether his, his heart ruled his head a little bit. So when it, when it was initially called and the league was called, so, so sort of resolution number one, which was the 81%, Party Thistle sought legal advice and they did that from their uh, Queen's Council's fan who's in the, in the lounge every week. And his advice was that there was a potential legal challenge. Now, in fairness to, to Mr. Thompson, QC, and any other lawyer, they will generally give clients advice as to whether or not there's a legal challenge. There will be heavy caveats in terms of the potential weaknesses in that. But the overall council's opinion that was given to Party Thistle was that there would be a legal challenge to be made. Uh, and then that all that, that kind of sat in a folder until the reconstruction fell apart. And it was only when the reconstruction fell apart that, that action had to be taken. Um, but I don't think Party necessarily wanted to go that alone. And then Hearts obviously picked up the cudgels uh, with Anne Budge. Now, personally speaking, if I had been asked to take a 50% wage cut three months before you go charging into the court of session uh, with all the expenses, liabilities that were likely to follow, I'd be wondering where that money was when I was having to take half my wages. But leaving that aside, now Hearts led the charge, the, 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 the partner up with Partick, and I think Stranraer were, were, were kind of on the coattails of that. And their case was brought... Uh, so the, the legal action itself, and I'll try not to bore you and any of the listeners to tears, but if you stay with me, hopefully it will make sense, is that they brought a case against the SPFL. Um, uh, now, because of what they were asking the court for, it would have had an impact on Dundee United, Wraith Rovers and Cove Rangers. And as a result, they then the court action, whilst it was raised against the SPFL, it was served upon those three clubs in order that they could have a say and lodge any answers that they wanted and become part of the process. Now, the remedy that they sought, the principal remedy was one of reduction. Now, reduction is you're asking the court to reduce or effectively erase a decision which has been made unlawfully by any organisation. So you can go to the court of session. Uh, it's a remedy exclusive to the, the court of session, which is the highest court in Scotland. Uh, and you can ask them to say, well, an organisation has made a, a decision which is, is unlawful uh, and that can take on a number of, 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 of uh, various, but they effectively said this wasn't correct and we want you to, to rub it out because it's not fair. Um, and that was the original decision to, to call the leagues not reconstruction. The court wouldn't be able to, to, to rule on that because uh, it was the original decision to call the leagues and they said, well, that was unfair. And, it, it, and that was the 81% carry vote, I, I should add. Um, and which failing, so they had a, an ESTO case, which was, well, if you're not going to reduce this and rub it out and just make us make everyone restored back to where they were, what the bloody hell are we going to do after that? God only knows. Uh, their, their ESTO or which failing case was to pay the clubs affected some compensation. Um, now, the legal basis for that was that the decision to call the leagues early, um, first of all, was premature, but, it, but the, the legal basis of it was that it created an unfair prejudice against um, Hearts, uh, Partick and Stranraer, uh, and that the court should do something about that. Now, the SPFL, uh, when the case was brought to the court of session, uh, it never the, the merits of the case were never argued in the court of session because the SPFL... Uh, uh, argued that there was a preliminary point here, which is Article 99 um, of the SFA rules, which say that if you have an issue 
then it must be resolved via the SFA's arbitration uh, facility, not the court of session. Um, and there was three days of argument in the court of session, uh, all of which was surrounding this point as to say, well, you may have a very good case, you may not have a very good case. We're not going to talk about that just now. All we want to talk about is the fact that you're arguing in the wrong place. And after three days, Lord Clark agreed uh, with the SPFL and he sent the case to arbitration. Uh, now, a side point of that is that uh, in bringing the action in the court instead of the arbitration, breaching Article 99, the punishment for that was that the, the uh, Harps Party Thistle uh, were uh, served with a notice of complaint by the, the SFA or the Scottish Football Association uh, for suing other clubs. And it wasn't necessarily the action against the SPFL which occasioned that, it was the fact that they served papers on Dundee United, Rafe Rovers and Cove Rangers. And you're not allowed to sue other football teams, you're supposed to go to arbitration. So that took us to arbitration. Does anybody want to pause for thought? Or <laughs> I think we're, we're almost we're almost at the end of this now. I think because we're getting to the arbitration hearing. So, yeah. am I right in thinking if if Harps and uh, and Partick Thistle had uh, gone through the arbitration process as they should have done in the first place and yeah. it didn't go their way, would they then get to challenge that decision in the court of session? Um, potentially, uh, the other route or the ultimate route for uh, supporting arbitration, if you're affiliate. Uh, member uh, member of, of uh, UEFA, uh, you, you're not happy with their decision, is the Court of Arbitration for Sport. Uh, and I'm a great believer in taking your complaint to the people best qualified to deal with it. Uh, now, the cast is very expensive. But yeah, you, again, in the same way that you can take a decision of a, an organisation which you consider has been made incompetently uh, or unlawfully, you can take it to the court of session. So they could have gone through arbitration and then said, well, the decision of the arbitration was flawed in some way and we could ask the court of session to reduce it at that point. So yes, in theory, you could do that. Um, so but they can't do it now because they went to the court first. Um, I, I, I think... That, that, they, they could potentially go back to the court of session and say, well, you sent us to arbitration, um, but there was something wrong with the decision. So the court will only become involved. So the, the, the case that didn't get to be argued in court, and if you took it back there after arbitration, you have to establish to the court that something has been done which is incompetent. So, for example, if, you, if you're going to reduce the decision of the SPFL, you have to point out something that they have done wrong. And... For all of the, the voting structures and resolutions, resolutions were presented, they were voted upon, and on that basis, uh, there was nothing unlawful or unjust about it. Um, and therefore, if, if you're going to if you're going to have a decision, or the court is going to get involved in the decision making processes of, a, of an independent members organisation, you have to demonstrate what they did wrong. And I think a large part of, of, of the complaints would have been surrounding documents and, and such like that surrounded what happened with Dundee's vote. Uh, now, the arbitration is, now this is going to be a short bit to talk about because the arbitration was very, very different to the court. And the, the court, this was all, you, you've heard lots about the court action, there was daily reporting on it. You haven't on the arbitration because arbitration isn't a public forum. Uh, if you want to go and watch any court case, uh, believe you me, it's not always what you see in the telly. You can go along to the court and sit in the public gallery and do what you like. Arbitration is a closed hearing. So, uh, and for good reason, the, 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 the members appointed to sit in the arbitration panel have their anonymity has been very well kept. 
Um, so briefly, who they were supposed to be, there was three parties, three ar- arbiters, um, and they were uh, three lawyers, uh, probably ex-judges, I would have thought, or QCs. Um, Hearts got to pick one. Uh, sorry, Hearts and Party got to pick one. The SPFL got to nominate one, and the other one was nominated independently by the SFA. Uh, so the SFA, and again, people get it all wrong thinking the SFA were deciding this. They weren't at all. It's just their arbitration facility. Um, so they would run it from on a on a practical level. But the panel, the the, the decision was made by uh, a QC. Or, or, or three parties would, would come to a view at the end of it. One was appointed by, by one side, one was appointed by the other, and one was appointed by the SFA. Um, now, not very much is known about the outcome. There's no written judgments in these things. In fact, we'll probably have some measure of confidentiality clause in the outcome. But perhaps a party lost, and they lost on every front. Not only were they not told, or not only were they not reinstated, uh, they weren't offered any compensation either, which is, is pretty much the worst outcome that they could have got, uh, particularly because what will follow now uh, is an expenses uh, um, award against them. So the expenses of arbitration, the general rule in law is that expenses follow success. So the SPFL will be entitled to have the expenses from Harps and, and Party, not only for the arbitration process, uh, but for the court process. Now, with the court being paused for arbitration, Expenses weren't awarded at the time, and because they've lost arbitration, there'll be some court expenses too, on top of what they've paid their own lawyers. So it will be an eye-watering six-figure sum that will be due from these guys. Um, so um, there's pretty much the worst outcome possible for the two clubs. My own view from a legal perspective, and uh, David, you will remember, maybe you listened also, James, to, to Leslie Deans, the heart supporting uh, I pause and hesitate to say lawyer, um, who had a 25-minute rant about all of the things that he would do to, to preserve the injustice on hearts. Um, and, and, you know, for me, uh, I, can't, I couldn't have seen an outcome whereby any court or arbitration process could redress the unfair prejudice and the un- unfair outcome that has befallen Hearts and Partick without moving that unfairness onto another club. So if you fix it for Hearts, and bearing in mind that they have no power to enforce reconstruction, so what you would be doing is restoring everybody to where you were, uh, and then Lord knows what we would do next. I don't think there was any clear path as to what to do next because we couldn't finish the season. Um, but if you if you reinstate Hearts and tell Dundee United that they're not coming up, and I think the only thing they would have been saying is we just don't have any promotion or relegation, then the unfairness automatically falls onto another club. And then Dundee United then have an argument for exactly the same thing, uh, as do Cove Rangers, as do Wraith Rovers. So you couldn't, you couldn't remedy one uh, instance of unfairness without creating another one. And I think ultimately that was where, where they made the decision on two fronts, which was the process uh, in terms of the constitution was followed. And whether it's unfair or whether it's not, you can't fix one level of unfairness without creating another one. And all things considered, I'm not surprised that, that they got nothing. Um, I, I'm, if anything, I'm surprised that they took it as far as they did in the first place. Okay, so we are actually now. Uh, well, there you go. So that that pretty much explains it, I think. So looking at where we stand now is that um, the decision that was made in, when was it now, April probably or June, um, yeah. has been upheld. So everything yeah. that we went through, we're exactly we're back exactly where we were at the start yeah. of it. 
except the difference being that Harps and Thistle have a massive legal bill um, and a bitterness <laughs> towards every other club in Scotland, pretty Absolutely. much. Absolutely. Okay, yeah. so. can, I, can I just ask about um, about Hearts? So I, I know Hearts have got um, the sort of Anne, Anne, Anne Budge, isn't it? The, uh, the sort of Hearts chair the, uh, owner or yeah. slash sort of person who's running the club. She, she's indicated in the past that she's looking to sort of like hand the club over to sort of like a a supporters run kind of like yeah. model you know is it, do you think do you think that is the reason why hearts decided to to follow this like you said even even as, even as a lay person i never thought there was any chance of like what 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 they thought could possibly be an outcome that beyond them getting a bit of money sort of hush money from the spfl or the sfa just yeah. to go away i don't know what, what they thought that I, I don't know how they thought legally you could think that was that what they were going to just yeah, like you said, I didn't see. I don't see how they thought there could be a positive outcome. Do you think that kind of just the fan kind of unrest and the fan perception of unhappiness is what kind of made them follow this so far along the? I think so. I mean, Hearts are, are, are kind of part fan owned, and look, there are a few teams have followed that model. Motherwell have. Again, it's one of these romantic notions uh, that a fan owned club, others, the fans have a. Really, and there would be nothing worse than, a, than an actual fan-owned club because I sit around uh, all the guys at Hamilton and none of us agree about anything. Um, from the taste of the ball roll down to the, the right backs, ability to cross the ball. But um, so that budge very much still calls the shots. Um, what she's trying to do is kind of gradually uh, sort of relinquish and recover some some of her investment into hearts. I think Anne is um, is a lady who. Is very very keen uh, to to be as successful as possible for Hearts, but I can't help but think that she carries a little bit of of, of the blame for this and the absolute debacle uh, that the, the Hearts were this season with the whole you know, merry-go-round of of of, of having uh, Cathro, uh, completely inexperienced manager who's never played football, managing a Premier League team. Footballers are dumb. Uh, in the main, uh, and mostly they, they don't respect anyone who hasn't played the games. Put him in a dressing room, and then you put a figure like Levine above him, it doesn't work. He then put Levine in the dressing room uh, whilst retaining his director status, then sack him as the manager, keep him as a director, uh, and the whole thing was just a mess. And, and not only that, but the recruitment, they had something like 48 first-team players. So a lot of it's down to saying, well, if there's a way that we can stay in the blinking Premier League, uh, then we're going to need it to pay the blinking wage bill, because it was still paying. You know, Craig Levine was still getting paid up until you know, June this year. It's insane. So I think she, she maybe felt the need to, to try and divert attention away from the shambles that has been the running of the club. Yes. Okay, so we're looking now to talk about uh, the football, which actually starts on Saturday. Um, so, um, James, I know you yeah, ap- apologise uh, for, uh, you seem to have been uh, a bit excluded in the whole Scottish football chat. Um, so we're just probably going to exclude you for the next 10 minutes as well, if that's all right. Uh, <laughs> so... I've asked Al to give me a hand in um, predicting how the Premier League is going to look at the end of the season. So I think we can uh, write down the numbers 1 to 12 um, and try and figure out where um, teams are going to finish. Uh, so I think um, I think the, the, the one spot that is pretty much nailed on is the number one spot. I think 
Uh, it's going to be very, very hard. Yeah, it's, it's going to be very hard to, to see past Kilmarnock this season. Um, yeah, but, uh, but no, I, th- I think Celtic are going to win the league. Do you think there's any, any doubt about that? Uh, 100% Celtic are going to piss it, man. Absolutely. I think, you know, Rangers have strength. I mean, Hadji looks like a good player. Um, but, you know, especially if, if, if Rangers are going to lose Morelos. And uh, I, I can't. I mean, Celtic haven't really strengthened. But they've uh, won Rangers, the league. Uh, Rangers haven't recruited anyone who wasn't in their first team last season. And yeah. they're more likely to so lose Morelos than, than add someone better. Yeah, so I think um, we're pretty much nailed on that Celtic are going to complete uh, 10 in a row or. Nine point five in a row, or Ooh. nine and an asterisk in a row. Or, you know, I think this, and it's, I, I think it's this whole last season was a bit of a, you know, oh, an asterisk on a nine in a row. I can't see Celtic not winning that league four years. So I think the, whether that's got an asterisk or not, I don't think that's going to make much difference. But um, so Celtic, Celtic top, I think that's fine. So I think what we'll do is we'll build from the top down because yeah. I think in the SPFL it gets more competitive. Um, the closer you get to the bottom. Um, yeah, yeah. So, so top six, who are you going for number two? We go Rangers? Uh, yeah, I'm going Rangers, yeah. yeah. As much as they, they, they will be much as they were last season, I think they'll put up a fight for a while, but they, they'll, they'll run out of steam. Uh, again, they might run out of cash, but they'll still be way stronger than anyone else's in terms of playing staff and resources. So yeah, number two, for sure. So Aberdeen have finished kind of third, I mean, I know Mother will finish third last season, but they've kind of been comfortably uh, the sort of third force in Scotland. Do you see that continuing or? No, frankly, no, I don't. Um, yeah. I-, I wondered about them being a little bit stale. They bring in Johnny Hayes, which is a positive, but they just lost Cosgrove for four months. So I just think there's a little bit of a malaise in uh, Aberdeen. I-, I don't have them third no yeah who have you gone for third I've gone for Hibs see I have as well I think um, they've, they've signed wisely this season I include uh, McGeer who came in January uh, I think he was a brilliant signing uh, they signed that boy from Dunfermline um, mm-hmm. who uh, has done fantastic they obviously signed Nisbet uh, you're talking about Dave he, he was yeah Nisbet yeah um, everything he knows about the game and his one training session at for Hill for Thrills with, with your truly all um, oh, right he picked up from learned, you did he learned everything he, he knows from me okay cool um, so I, and also they managed, they managed to sign uh, Gogic from Hamilton yeah. who had a brilliant season for Aki's last um, I can't see him getting a run in that team 100% like he did with, with Hamilton but he's certainly a good guy to have in the squad yeah I think it depends how their midfield takes shape there's a, a lot of talk about Greg Doherty going back um, from Rangers so they'll be strong in the middle of the park they've got some talent down the wing they've got a couple of decent is it Deutsch, uh, um, he, he's half decent uh, putting the ball in the net yeah. uh, Kevin Nisbet I, I think he's going to have a great season the other day, and Jack Ross they've got Dre Wright as well from St Johnston as well so he's he was a really good yeah. a good yeah, signing as well so. a lot of running a lot of energy a bit of steel and a good manager uh, and a fresh manager as well so I, I'd get him ahead of Aberdeen definitely so you would be you put Aberdeen fourth. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think yeah, I've got Aberdeen fourth. Uh, I think you're right. I think a, a little bit of malaise in there. I don't think um, McInnes will see out the season. 
think that you know, not that he'll particularly do anything wrong. I just think that Aberdeen will think they can do better, which is insane. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, I think I don't think he'll be at Aberdeen at the end of this. No, season. and I think I think what tipped it for me, I you know, just said it was one of the things about Hibs, but the thing that really I was toying with it until I read that Cosgrove was out for four months, and, and I think yeah. they were short of firepower. And four months is a long time, and have no money to buy a replacement. That's the thing, because the, the chairman said it's one in, one out, and it's not yeah. as if you're losing Cosgrove, but you're not selling him and buying somebody else. You're, you're paying him to do nothing. So I think that was and. Ironically, this was uh, the, this four month came what two weeks after <laughs> turned down a move that would have made the club two million, two and a half million pounds. Oh, yeah, oh crazy. Okay, so rounding out the top six, then, so you've got two spaces, five and six. I've gone Motherwell and St Johnston. Uh, I've gone Motherwell five. Uh, they're good, but there's no one new. Uh, well, there, there's some, yeah. some new bodies, but I don't think there's anyone to improve the side. Well, Turnbull's back, isn't it? But unless he goes to Celtic again, which is the other thing you're not sure of. Two things, or, uh, two things, or maybe three things that could happen to Turnbull is he could get injured again. Uh, he could be sold to Celtic or another. Uh, there's a lot of teams in England who would quite like the look of him. And uh, having heard them on uh, another podcast, uh, are we allowed to advertise Open Goal? Yeah, yeah, go for it. Uh, I heard him on Cy Ferry's podcast, and I wonder if he's 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 not the brightest, uh, and I wonder if he might just injure himself. Like making toast or something like that, so that could always happen. <laughs> and so I go for, the, um, for, for five, but, I think Europa League. but not as good as the season. So they've got the Europa League to contend with, so they've got those two games before they get popped out in the first qualifying. Yeah, 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 yeah. That'll be done by what a week and Tuesday, probably. <laughs> so, who are you? If you, I've gone St Johnston in sixth, uh, I haven't. I've gone for Kelly, right? So, I've gone Kelly seventh. So it's, they're not a million miles away. I've, I've gone Kelly, just a wee bit of continuity. The manager's gone through, he's kind of up and down, he's got in. Um, they've made a couple of good signings. They've got the pitch, which will help, um, I have yeah. to say. So I've just gone for Kelly on that one. Okay. So that's the top six. So bottom why six. Are you saying Saints? Uh, why, why are you, are you fancying Saints for the top see, six? I do. I, I, top I like... I, well, yes, and I think the, the, I like Callum Davidson. I think he knows the club, and yeah. if somebody is going to go in after Tommy Wright, it's going to be a guy who's worked under him and yeah. knows how Tommy works, how he worked, how he gets well, the best out of players. So, exactly. So I think he's the only person that could have gone in. Yeah. Um, I, I think uh, plus he's an ex-player as well. Um, I just think they, they ended the season. I also think it helps that he's not gone straight in, uh, like elevated from Tommy's assistant. Um, he's yeah. gone away somewhere else and now he's coming back. So I always think it's it's tougher to, for the assistant to step into the manager's shoes, but he's had a, a bit of a gap, which I think will help. But I've not got them there. I've got them further down. And the reason for that, I suppose, we'll come to later on now. What's your preference? Uh, we'll, come, we'll come to that a bit later on then. Oh, so okay. we'll, uh, let's say they, they have lost Ray Wright, who was a big player for them. But um, Stevie May is going to have, he's had an like extended period of time to get himself fit because um, he's had real niggly injuries and I think a big a sort of long layoff that he's had um, I think he's going to come back stronger next season and I, I just fancy them just to kind of get out of the top six yeah. but so we'll go we'll, we'll go with yours so you're going um, Kilmarnock at sixth so we'll go the um, we'll go for the sort of the best of the rest then who who uh, just misses out on top six for you uh, I've gone uh, Levy at seven um, see I've put Levy further down right because again, I don't see them having strengthened, and they had such a good season. A season, yeah. like 
playing outside themselves, I can't see them repeating it a second year. Um, I, I, the reason I've gone seven, yeah, I agree. I think Lawless is a big loss for them. Um, if Lyndon Dykes goes to Rangers, yeah, that could be an impact. I just think that the way that Holt plays uh, and the pitch is a shocker. Um, I know I'm, I don't, I'm not down on plastic pitches. I think you can play football. You know, I never, never understood why players can't play on a perfect surface with a perfect bounce, but. <laughs> There is just so much rubber crumb on that thing. It's like playing on the beach. And Gary Holt, when he loses a player, these guys were never spectacular, expensive players. So I think he knows the game enough to bring in like for like almost. Uh, and they play just the dirtiest, most horrible non-football. I mean, if you ever want to see the worst game of football you'll ever see, go to the Hamilton Livingston game uh, yeah. at the Tony Macaroni Arena. It is absolutely <laughs> garbage man but so I just think they're just going to just be dogged and, and they'd certainly yeah they'll just be hard really hard to beat there and just a total pest for anyone they play and I think it's just a method of the manager I think they're just going to grind out results where some other teams might not in the bottom half okay, okay. so who have you got under that uh, I've gone for St Johnston at eight um, and, and I, I just I just wonder if they've been so good for so long a um, couple of players missing, new manager. Uh, I mean, they were. Let's not forget that you know after three months they were they were bottom of the league. And Tommy Wright, the way he has seemed to do, is there's just a wee shine on him that he just gets there, and they, they, they ended up rocketing up the league. And yeah, I've met Callum Davidson. He's a lovely guy. Uh, I think I just think sometimes a change of manager. It's his first job as a manager and it, it could go wrong. They've lost a couple, as you say. I'm not so convinced on Stevie May. I think his best days are gone. Uh, I don't see him ever being like a kind of 15-goal-a-season striker. Mm. And I just sometimes I think they've just gone a bit stale uh, and I just wonder if they'll... I don't think they're going to get relegated, but I, I think they'll just kind of drop out of that top six thing that they seem to have managed to do all the time. OK. All right, so that is... Eight, so you go ninth now. So you're into, probably you're looking at a relegation dogfight now from nine to twelve. Well, uh, not to not to uh, disagree with their chairman, uh, Mr. Fitzpatrick. Uh, <laughs> I don't see St. Mirren getting the top six, so I've gone St. Mirren at nine. Um, they're a good side. They've got a good manager, Jim Goodwin. If I was Jim Goodwin, I'd be asking Fitzpatrick for the top six budget. It was, was going to get. <laughs> yeah. But I like Goodwin. It's steely team. Um, good support. Good away day. Um, they've got a little bit Marcus more money. Marcus Fraser's a good time for them, won't they? I would love to him to come at Hamilton. Yeah, yeah, I think so. And and they just they've got a wee bit more money to spend, so they could just pick up the, the players that we might have wanted. And I just think they'll, they'll finish ninth. I think is, is where I, I see them. Okay. Not quite Six of when the league is Fitzpatrick next. Okay, so that's uh, in a tenth now. So uh, Hamilton Academical in ten. So we're going to cast off the shackles of an eleventh place finishes traditionally, and I think we're going to do one better. I've got us at eleventh, um, but because uh, you think Dundee United are going to do better than us, I think Dundee United are going to do slightly better than you do. So yeah, um, I think they're so going to be terrible. <laughs> so you've got so James, I don't. Uh, I don't know how you've lived in Scotland for three years now, so I imagine you've seen like the the, the pullouts, and uh, it's probably like the biggest cliche in Scottish football is when it comes to this stretch of the season, they say who's going to get relegated, and mm-hmm. they just say, "Oh, no, 
Yeah, um, yeah. It, it, it's pretty much the. It's almost as easy as saying Celtic are going to win the league as the yeah. fact that Aki's are going to drop out of it. And uh, sorry, Alan, uh, I can't and Dave, and Dave, with the exception of the fact that Celtic always do win the league and Aki's never do get relegated. So, well, exactly. So, I was just going to ask, how many seasons is this that Hamilton have been consecutively in the top flight? This will be number seven, I believe. And can you t- again off the top of my head, how many seasons have Rangers been consecutively in the top flight? <laughs> I think it's five. Five. And how many? Like, obviously, they're not in it now. But like Harps, I think Harps have been uh, involved in, in, in over the same period four, I believe. Yeah, I think so. I think so. And at least, so I have a, a Harps supporting friend, and I sent him a text the other day, and it said two 0 and he says, what's this? It's like that same amount of seasons Hearts have spent in the Championship compared to the amount of seasons Aki's have spent in the Championship in the last seven years. <laughs> so, it's, uh, but, uh, so you reckon, so playing difficult advocate with Hamilton, they've lost 15 members of the first team squad. They've replaced them with a collection of um, sort of lesser players. They've promoted a lot from the academy, a couple of non-league players from England, um, a couple from the lower leagues in Scotland. What makes you think that Hamilton, other than the fact that, you know, uh, the old adage of um, the two things that survive a nuclear holocaust are cockroaches and Hamilton Ackies, uh, <laughs> what about this season makes you so confident that we won't even be playing off next season? Uh, me? Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, I... Uh, I, I'm not confident. Uh, I, I, I really, uh, <laughs> I was just didn't want to be a living. Um, and although I think last season, not last season, but the season before last, I think of the 38 games, uh, I think we we were 10th for 32 out of the 38 games. So I think we're really comfortable in 10th. Uh, <laughs> we like it there. Uh, look, I, I think I think that we. I, I, what the reasons are, I think Ross County will be rubbish. I don't think we'll have any yeah. money. And if you are if you are picking a club to pay you low wages and scrape out a season, you'd rather do it not in Dingwall. So I think they'll be poor. Uh, and, and I think I put us 10th because I, it's most not to what we will do because we will we will not be very good. But I think that, that we'll, we've got three or four lads who kind of toiled but showed promise last season who I think are just going to step up because they've now had 50, 60 games in the first team. So Jamie Hamilton, Sean Want, uh, Scott McMahon was already looking like a leader last season. He's yeah, got experience. Um, Smith, uh, Lewis Smith um, is looking good. We've got Cunningham. So these are guys who have now had, you know, between 50, you know, between 35 and 50 first team games and I think overall the, the quality is going to be poorer in the, in the league this season. So yeah. if these kids take a step forward and everybody else takes a half step back, it might just be worth that extra place for us. Uh, Excellent. I think the... I, I don't think we're going to relegate it either. I think... Uh, I agree with you. I had Ross County rock bottom. I think they're going to be, be poor. Yeah. Be really poor. I think the one team that strengthened even less than us is them. Um, yeah. I think what we have going for is that the likes of Ross County and Dundee United... Um, and even Samarin don't have, as what you've just said, we've got a crop of young lads who um, have played in the Premier League. Even the, like Jamie Hamilton had a torrid season last season. He got sent off like about what, every half hour, it felt like. Yeah. Um, a lot of averages are going to help him because he can't even really do it worse. <laughs> but, um, so he's been down training with Brighton as well. So um, I think generally, and plus our... I really like our manager. I think he tries to 
play football. And I think we went through a period with Martin Canning that I mercifully didn't see much of because I was I was down here. Um, whereas Brian Rice is a football man, you know, and he does try and play football with these boys, and he does try and get them. Uh, I think we the thing is we we got a couple of on the end of a couple of bad results last season, but we were quite difficult to beat. We went to Celtic Park, lost to a last-minute goal to Scott Brown. Um, we went to Ibrox and beat Rangers. You know, we've we you know we've beat Hearts. We've, you know, we've, we've had good results, and I reckon we're just going to have enough to get out of trouble next season. I really, really believe. Rice is a good coach, and he's, he's the right guy to bring young boys into the first team whereas Canning wasn't so the results look an awful lot the same but the performances are better and, and you always just feel as though you're just around the corner from you know a wee breakout and something special yeah excellent so you're bottom two then who are the who are going to be in the relegation places you've kind of alluded uh, to already, I'll, so. I'll start with rock bottom because I think it's Ross County for the reasons I just said but the more interesting one is Dundee United I'm, I'm putting them at yeah. 11th um I just don't think they're very good. And um, a, a good example is that when Hamilton found, our, found ourselves against Dundee United in the playoffs three years ago, everyone was terrified because it was Dundee United. Yeah. And the thing that you forget is that you weren't, when you're in the playoff position, you weren't the worst team uh, in, the, in the Premier League. And at that point, in fairness, Dundee United were second in the Championship. And, they, and you're thinking, well, we weren't the worst team in the Premier League and you weren't the better team in the Championship. And there's a bigger gap than people thought. And I was astonished by how poor they were. Now, the better, obviously, they won the league quite considerably. But I have heard a lot of discussion about the fact that there is no money in Dundee United. They are skint. And that's why Nielsen's away. Um, I think that if that is, in fact, correct, then the sale of Lauren Shankland seems likely. So you have at the moment Jermaine Defoe with a hamstring injury, Alfredo Morelos, if he doesn't go, as he wants to go, I think, and his head's going to be turned. If I'm Rangers and I need a striker and the 10 in a row hysteria is there, and I think, well, I could pay £2 million for Lyndon Dykes or I could pay £2.5 million to a skin Dundee United for Lauren Shankland, I know which one I'm picking. And, and, and Shankland's already had interest from south of the border. So if Dundee United are... Have precarious finances, having thrown uh, money at promotion and then lost out on money with no crowds. I think Shankland's ripe for a move. Um, so, and if that happens, I think United will be all over the place. Yeah, that's that's interesting because I think for the longest, I had the longest time that I, I sent I sent you uh, my list um, with the spaces between seven and ten blank because I just could not. Um, figure out who was going to finish where between Dundee United, Livingston, St Mirren and Kilmarnock were the four teams I just couldn't yeah. you know, you could make a case for all of them being 10th, but you could equally make a case for all of them being 7th as well yeah, um, That's borne out by the point difference between sort of 7th and 12th there's, there's never more than half a dozen points in it for you know 15 weeks out of the, the last 20 you know, it's just... Well I think as well if you look at the fact that just before the shutdown uh, Hearts played St Mirren Hearts would have beaten St Mirren. Um, they would have moved into eleventh, and St Mirren would have been bottom of the league. Yeah, and, uh, you know, so I think that's how that's just how close it is. And um, uh, what, what I find, Dave, um, is when people who are, are old firm fans and therefore don't look too far down the table, they'll look at us sitting in ninth and go, "Ah, oh, you're in ninth. That's brilliant." And I was like, "Well, if you look at the other end of the numbers, then we're ninth, but we're only." Up you know, two points ahead off bottom. So if the results swing round, you can go from ninth to twelfth and then back again, you know, 
every other week. So the league position in the bottom six is, is almost irrelevant. It's the points, uh, which which they're never very far apart. Yeah, so if anything, as a as as Hamilton fans, there's always something to play for for us. I think so, even down in the last game of the season. So whether that's a good thing or not, I'm not sure. Um, so, James, obviously, sorry, we've kind of kept you on the sidelines a little bit here, but uh, what do what do you think? Is there any? Uh, like- I think I do think I, I agree across. The, I think I'd think that Lauren Shanklin is is the kind of player that could. I'm, I'm not saying he's going to have the same impact as, as say, like a Danny Ings at, at kind of like Southampton, but he could raise a sort of team like out of that kind of relegation, especially low, low down any sort of table. Goals can really can transform the team. And like you said, being able to nick a point here or turn a, a draw into a win could kind of rock it. So I think Dundee United might do a bit better. Mm. But I'm basically basing that off the back of the fact that I know they've got a decent striker is pretty much the only... If it's the I, I guess the thing is, if it goes to Rangers tomorrow, which is, yeah. you know... Oh, yeah, well, I think is Yeah, yeah. Um, I know Dyke, Dyke's been linked with someone in England as well, hasn't he? Is it Barnsley? Barnsley would have 2.2 million or something bent for him. And like, oh, um, 1.5, I think, Livingston turned that down, didn't they? Yeah. So, yeah, it's just... It's always interesting where, where like, where goals... Like, how sort of important goals can be to sort of... Sort of play. But, but basically, the, the one question I want to ask... And you, you kind of mentioned about sort of Derek McInnes maybe moving on from Aberdeen. Sometimes managers just have like a shelf life, don't they? But the one I really want to ask, and sort of maybe he could be the answer to this question, is is if if the sort of league table plays out like you think and Celtic win ten in a row, the hi- historic sort of ten in a row titles, will Steven Gerrard be able to? Will Steven Gerrard either want to stay on, or will he be will he be um, asked to stay on as Rangers manager for for the for the future? I think, well, if Celtic win 10 in a row, Stephen Gerrard will be sacked. I think if Celtic look like winning 10 in a row, uh, and I think he won't see them lift the title. There's a very realistic possibility that if if things, if if there gets to be nine points between them at any point in the season, Gerrard could be a row. So, particularly looking toward, look look at December, all right? So, Celtic. If Celtic win the Scottish Cup, which, you know, who's to say that that will be a full treble, okay? Um, And then the League Cup will start. So can you see anything other than a quintuple treble for Celtic now? When when I was prepping for tonight, I I wrote down my 12 uh, league places. I wrote Scottish Cup, League Cup, and uh, next to it I wrote Celtic and Celtic. So I think the same thing. Yeah, I think that now that they've won a treble, I don't think Celtic were ever that fussed about the League Cup until, unless or until it becomes part of a treble. And because it's the first cup that you win, now that they're used to winning trebles, it's almost as if you've got to do it every year. So as soon as Celtic become interested in the League Cup. If they want to, they win it. Then you had those kind of crazy moment of the handball off the line that kind of denied them under Ronnie Dyla, which was just inexplicable. But otherwise, Celtic, if they get interested in anything and play to the potential, they'll piss it every time. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think just I think the one thing um, about the, about the Scottish game in general, you just want the moment. So that's the one thing. As as Hamilton fans, we spoke about this all a few times. Oh, yeah. uh, James, you will you. You know, yes. you've had some yeah. success with Hartlepool and like mm-hmm. playoffs and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But you look at clubs around you. And we we talked a bit about this last week. Is why can't we get to a Scottish Cup final, right? If you look mm-hmm. at Motherwell, have been there. St Johnston have been there. Kilmarnock have been there. Inverness have been there. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like why can't like, we just? Yeah. <laughs> but you look at you look at us and we've like we got quite excited when we 
we beat uh, Edinburgh City this year in the Scottish Cup, beat them five now, and there was all the euphoria about that. You go to the draw, bang, Rangers. You're like, oh for God's sake! You know, I, I was talking to a friend of mine, a St Johnston fan, and uh, they had the whole. They went down to air. They had a really good match. They got through the uh, quarterfinals, bang, they get Celtic, and it's like, oh for God's sake, that's not <laughs> over with. So it's like the, the the romance of the cup is kind of a thing of the past. <laughs> but, uh, it would just be nice just to be. You know, well, get a cup run if, or something, really, wouldn't it? If you remember us talking about it, um, and this, the cups are, are just sad now because for Hamilton, um, your dream was to win the League Cup, uh, and, and with that, you used to have a European placing. It doesn't now, so you just get the cup. Um, and it used to be that if you lost the Scottish Cup to one of Rangers or Celtic, then that would get you into Europe as well. And then the dream was either to win the League Cup or losing the Scottish Cup final and then just get that, you know, seventh qualifier in Latvia against a bunch of fishermen, lose, travel over there on a private charter, lose 8-0, uh, just, just to do it once. But you don't get the, the European placing on second place in the Scottish Cup or, or runner-up Scottish Cup either. It goes to third place in the league. Um, and you don't, uh, assuming that Rangers or Celtic have already are, are the winning team, and you don't get in the League Cup. So our trip to Latvia to, to lose to a team I've never heard of seems like it's never going to happen now. Yeah, sad but true. Mm. So just that that segues me into it like nicely just to the very last thing. So you're looking at um, Celtic, Rangers, Aberdeen and Motherwell, our, our European representatives this year. Mm. Uh, Celtic, ridiculously, have got a start in the first qualifying round again in the Champions League. Um, Aberdeen and Motherwell start in the first round, qualifying round of the Europa League, Rangers in the second. Um, which, interestingly, James, is the same uh, round in which Tottenham are going to have to start oh, yeah. in the Europa League this year. Wow. Um, so, I, so I guess the biggest frustration, it was... It's quite nice watching Rangers and Celtic in the Europa League. I quite enjoyed my Thursday nights this year of uh, getting the two games back to back and and stuff. But I guess the biggest frustration was Celtic blowing the Champions League. I think uh, they really threw it away uh, against Cluj, didn't they? Um, and then when it came to it against uh, Copenhagen in the the last thirty two of the Europa League, they blew that as well. Yeah. And it's just a shame to see a team that are so far ahead in our our league just go out so meekly and after such a brilliant campaign as well in the Europa League against Lazio and stuff so what are your thoughts for uh, for Celtic are they going to get to the, the group stage this year or are they just going to sort of fail at the last hurdle again I think a lot of it will depend on what happens with Odson Edward maybe um, yeah. but and you'll know whether he's staying or whether he's going as to whether or not he plays in any of those games. Uh, my concern about Europe, there's two concerns I have for all the Scottish teams, is that is, it, there's no two-legged um, tie. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. gosh, I think, was it two seasons ago? It was Brendan Rodgers' first season, I think. Yeah. Uh, so a couple of years ago, a few years ago, uh, Celtic had their first leg against Lincoln Red Imps um, from Gibraltar. Right, yeah, they lost that first leg. Didn't they? And then they, they obviously horsed them at, at Celtic Park. And you just get these horrible first-legged, you know, the Scottish teams are, are always cold at this stage, but they're never going to be colder than they are this season. And they've only got one shot. So Celtic could slip up. We've done it before. Rangers could do likewise. And I just think Hibs and Aberdeen, uh, sorry, Aberdeen and Motherwell, uh, and the other Scottish teams tend to struggle at those stages anyway because they're not that much better than the teams that are there. So I just think there's just going to be absolutely cold storage um, and I think it could be a terrible start for all of them, really. really so, 
the, the only thing I think that goes in our favour this year is that the current tournament hasn't finished yet. Yeah. So it won't be till later in August that they're playing these games. So we should have two or three weeks of the season under their belt before yeah. they play these games, as opposed to two weeks before. So yeah. you'd normally Celtic are in their second game by now. We're sitting, what, on the 30th of July. Yeah. Um, they've usually played a game by now. So the chances are they will have played Hamilton. They'll have played, I can't remember who they've got in the second week. So they, they, do you know, does that not make a case of them being better prepared? Well, it depends who their opposition is. Um, if you look at, for example, Spurs going in at the same stage as, as uh, Aberdeen and Motherwell, you know, Spurs have just played... It's Rangers, uh, second round. Spurs Rangers, Rangers, you, know, you think about it, Spurs have just played, what, 10 competitive games, and they're going to have a little bit of a break, but, uh, yeah, and, and you, depending who everyone gets, you know, the German uh, football played to a finish, the, te- the leagues that have played to a finish, I think, they kind of, uh, the players will be slightly better prepared than our guys will. I mean, and Scottish guys are, are, and Scottish players are notorious for, for not being at the peak, peak levels of fitness and discipline as the elite. You only have to look at Lee Griffiths to see that. Uh, and it, you just, I just yeah. for them. Uh, I think there have been so many examples of Scottish teams just not being, you know, match ready at, at these, in the normal circumstances. And Scotland's been affected, one of the more affected leagues by it. And, and they've, they've got a one shorter. They don't have two legs to, to get there. You know, against that, Aberdeen did phenomenally well against Burnley over two legs, I thought, last year. So you just never know. We live in hope. We do indeed. We do indeed. Okay, well. Thank you very much, Alan, for your uh, interpretations. I think that is probably the uh, the most intelligent that James and I have sounded on any of the podcasts over the uh, without, over the summer. Without doubt, without doubt. <laughs> I just made it all up, by the way. I, you know, just just made it up. It's so exciting. <laughs> so, Alan. Um, as I say, thank you very much for joining Pleasure. us. Uh, we will get you. We will uh, get you back on as the season progresses. Um, Alan James is. Uh, a much more a th- more of an authority on boxing than I ever am. So uh, when the bo- when the big fights come up, Alan will uh, yes. be a lot more used than I am in talking about it. Yeah. Um, so all that remains is for me to say thank you very much, James. Thank you, Dave. And thank you once again, Alan, for joining us tonight on the Sporty Ushers podcast. Thank you, Dave. And thank you, everyone, for listening. And we will be back next week with more Sporty Ushers. Thank you very much. That was like listening. It was amazing, mate. That was like listening to like Radio Four or something. Like someone, <laughs> me and David, kind of be bluffing it, and you just come along yeah, and completely bluffing it. And then someone who really knows actually what's happening comes on and talks about it. Right.